Hi there. It's me, Fran Costigan, the lead instructor for the Essential Vegan Desserts course at Ruby and the director of Vegan Pastry at Ruby. I'm so happy to welcome you to my home kitchen. Everyone here is welcome. Our wonderful Ruby producer, lifesaver, Patrick sent me some of the questions ahead and I can see that there are a lot of them. I want to get to as many as possible, hopefully all of them, but I've got some things that I want to show you before I get going with the particulars of the event. I want to welcome my newest students who started Essential Vegan Desserts just yesterday. Welcome. And any graduates, people who are in process and guests, thank you for being here. This is really a favorite part of my month every month. For questions of a technical kind, then you're gonna to write to support at ruby.com and someone from the team will get back to you really quickly. And you can always reach me at fran at ruby.com. So feel free, anybody here to reach out to me, I am so inspired by the work that I'm seeing both people who are absolutely new to baking, or that's what they tell me, they're new to desserts, and people who are professional chefs. We've got a couple in the courses here who come in with a beginner's mind, and that's a really wonderful thing. So let's get right to this topic. It's June, it's halfway through June, it's time for me to think about lightening up summer desserts or lightened up summer desserts. And what does that mean? Well, you know, it means different things to different people. For me, chocolate cake is always in season. But when it comes to warm weather, and I'm aware of the fact that some of you are in a different part of the world and it's winter. That's one of the best things about Ruby is we have people from all over the world. So you can just put this away and think about this when it is your summer. But for me, it means eating more fruit, fresh fruit, fruit forward desserts, all fruit desserts. I like frozen desserts. I know today we can get everything all year round. I happen to be a person who likes ice cream very much and sorbet and granitas, but I don't really eat them in the wintertime very much. So that's something my ice cream machine is out over there. It's big. And there are lots of different ways to make ice cream. We can make a vegan ice cream with coconut milk and cashew milk and all kinds of rich creams, plant creams and milks, or you can make yourself a nice banana, take a frozen, some frozen bananas and put them in your food processor, add some other ingredients, maybe some berries or chocolate sauce, and you've got a different kind of a frozen dessert. That's something that's really natural. I like using a lot of fruit in different ways. So for example, I think Patrick has some examples of the baked Alaska dessert that we make in this course. How can we make meringue without egg whites? Well, we can because now we have aquafaba. And if there's anybody here who doesn't yet know what aquafaba is, because it's been written up everywhere. 
this is not just a vegan thing anymore when all the magazines, all the food magazines have been talking about it. But we have a way, I have a way of getting the aquafaba, which is really means bean water, aquafaba, water bean, bean water. And we always have a success in this course. And I will say that the baked Alaska is one of the most popular recipes in the course. I mean, it's a matter of what's not to like, right? So you have a layer of cake. I tend to do a fudgy brownie because this is a frozen dessert. You don't want a cake that's going to get hard. Plus ice cream and egg white, non-egg white meringue, bean water meringue is naturally gluten-free. So I generally will do a gluten-free brownie base, then some ice cream, either made, homemade or purchased. I've got some Oatly in my freezer, not gonna lie. And a sauce, if you like, a chocolate sauce or a fruit puree, and then the whipped aquafaba meringue, which we torch with or without a sprinkling of sugar. Well, if you have a taste for some meringue, but you want to use less and you don't want the ice cream because you are eating a lighter dessert, make a fruit salad. I've done this. I took a baby watermelon, cut it in half, hollowed it out, chopped up the fruit, added to the watermelon pieces. I added raspberries and strawberries and blueberries and some lemon thyme from my garden, all kinds of your favorite fruits. I probably pitted some cherries and put them in there too. And that's for Andrea, who's probably here today. We love cherries and we eat crazy amounts of them when they're in season for a short time. But so you have this nice fruit salad, right? But when you can actually put aquafaba meringue, pipe it or just dollop it all over, and then torch it and it's such a surprise and it just elevates your fruit salad. You can also put some sorbet on your fruit salad or a light cream. And I've got some of the creams to show you. Another dessert that I like to do very much when the weather is hot and I don't necessarily wanna heat up my oven for a period of time is what we call the fruit slump. And we have a photo of that. So the one that you're going to see is made with blueberries, but you can make it with any fruit you like. So you cook the fruit filling. You've got to taste your fruit. In, turn, you know, in a cake recipe, a batter-based recipe, you need to follow the formula. The ingredients are there in a particular proportion for a reason. But if you're making a fruit filling, unless the recipe states otherwise very specifically how much sweetener to use, if any, depends on the sweetness of the fruit. So this time of the year, my berries are going to be sweeter probably than they are when they're slightly out of season. A way to cut down on the amount of sweetener you need and lighten up your desserts is to eat fruit that's in season. And that's what I do. But here we're making a blueberry, in this case, fruit filling. It's quite a bit more liquid than you would see if you're doing a cobbler or a crisp because you're going to be making a soft biscuit dough and just dolloping 
the dough on top of the warm fruit filling, covering the top, covering the pot with a very well-fitted top. If it doesn't fit well, you can use a piece of aluminum foil. Don't have it touch the, the biscuits. And you let this cook on your stovetop. And what's happening is that the, the biscuits are actually steaming. And that's why you have so much liquid in the filling. And it's super easy to do in stages. For example, you make the fruit filling and something happened and you don't want to finish making your dessert or you're going to be serving it later and you want to serve it warm. Well, what you can do is you make the filling, put it on the back of your stove, even put it in the refrigerator, rewarm it when you make this one, two, three biscuit topping. I mean, it's really a one bowl thing. And in terms of being a lighter dessert, if you've picked fruit that is very sweet, you're using very little, if any, sweetener. And the biscuits, this recipe serves easily eight people, six people, if you're really big eaters, has a tablespoon and a half of oil in it. That's all. So I think that works for a lot of people. The reason it's called a slump, it's also called a grunt, depending on where you are in the United States, is there's this, I, this question, do the biscuits slump as they're cooking? Or are you hearing them grunting? I don't know. I never hear them grunting and I'm not allowed to peek. I have to follow my recipe. So there you go with that. Uh, you can make simple cobblers and crisps, which are fruit based. And we've got recipes for various toppings in the course that work really well. If you're very pinched for a time pressed for time, or you just get a craving and you have to have it and you want it right then, if you've got some granola, add some dried fruit, put it on top and you're good to go. So I'm gonna take a couple of questions now. Elizabeth wants to know what's the best way to make ice cream consistent, consistency dairy-free, main ingredient you would recommend. So the vegan ice creams have exploded in the marketplace. It's unbelievable. So we have oat milk-based ice cream and cashew milk-based ice cream and coconut milk ice cream and then some that are combinations as well. I have a whole chapter on vegan ice creams in my book, Vegan Chocolate, and I have some that are combined. I haven't done oat milk ice cream because I wasn't using oat milk then. I mean, we just keep getting better ingredients. So the thing is you wanna make a nice, rich base for your ice cream and add a little something so that it doesn't crystallize and I use a little bit of guar gum to keep my ice creams from crystallizing. There are other things that you can use if you're not a, if you're a person who can't have gums in their diet. And I've learned about this from one of our students, Laura. So I want to thank Laura for educating me. You know, we all learn from each other and then you want a nice ice cream machine. I have a compressor model which means I just plug it into the wall and I can have ice cream pretty quickly and it's delicious. You want your base to be very cold before you start churning it. 
when I'm at my daughter's house, she has an ice cream machine where the canister goes into the freezer and gets cold and it works well too. So I hope that helped Elizabeth. So Virginia has an interesting question. What, which desserts do you see trending in the next year? And what's my favorite dessert to make and were most rewarding to serve to guests? Well, <laughs> that's kind of like the second part of your question. It's kind of like asking me, which of my four grandchildren do I like the best? Because I, I have a couple of favorite desserts. And at this point, I know which ones tend to make people swoon. And then again, if I'm serving desserts, well, it depends. I, this week was my birthday, I'll tell you that. And I had a wonderful birthday gathering with a bunch of my friends in Philadelphia. We met on a rooftop. We had four of us were Ruby. Four people were Ruby graduates. I had essential vegan desserts and I had Plant Pro. We just happened to live near each other and love each other. So you can imagine that the food was delicious. It was delicious. But for a birthday, I tend to make the chocolate cake to live for, which was my breakthrough cake when I transitioned from the non-vegan, the tradition, what's called the tradi you know, traditional pastry kitchen with butter and eggs and white sugar and cream and those ingredients that I wasn't going to be using anymore because I decided to follow a vegan diet or a plant-based diet. And I was determined to make a chocolate cake that was going to be really great. And it turned, it took me about, well, it took a long time, but it is that cake. So that's my favorite cake for a celebration. It was also Rip Esselstyn's wedding cake. So the cake is, can be made, the original version is made with wheat flour, a portion of AP and a portion of whole wheat pastry flour. There are a couple of different sweeteners. There's some maple syrup in the cake, so it stays super moist. It's made with a really high quality Dutch process cocoa powder. And then I filled it and frosted it with a new chocolate, a vanilla cream and a chocolate cream that I'm just working on now. And I really like that. Oftentimes I'll just pour some ganache glaze over that. Another dessert that is always a hit again is the baked Alaska because for many people, they hear baked Alaska. That's a really old fashioned dessert that's having a moment again. So it's one of the desserts that's trending for some reason. Probably a food writer got a hold of it. And it's definitely trending now. And people go crazy. They go crazy because it's everything. It's cake, it's ice cream, and it's very dramatic with the white meringue that's torched. And people tend to like it torched a lot because then it tastes like marshmallow. For sure, desserts that are trending are lighter in, lower in sugar with the inclusion of more healthful ingredients. And these are the kinds of desserts that we're making in essential vegan desserts. We're using whole grain flours, natural sweeteners. It's a dessert course. So we are using sweeteners, we are using some fats, but everybody can take you know, it's very important to learn foundational technique. That was very important to me in building this course. And the Ruby team, of course, is all about 
technique. So you make a recipe the way it's written, assuming that it is a reliable recipe and all of ours are very reliable, that's for sure. And then you can make adjustments, but that's what I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see uh, desserts that are considered healthier, but still dessert. I think you're going to see old fashioned desserts like baked Alaska and slumps come to the forefront again. And I think you're going to be seeing some interesting combinations, more of the use of herbs and spices. I love rosemary in some of my shortbread cookies. And I've been using some tomatoes because they're, the little tomatoes are so sweet now. I'll add them into a fruit cobbler or something like that. I think that's what's going to happen, Virginia. Kathleen says, hi from England. Well, hi there. Thank you for being here. Kathleen would like some tips on what to do with summer fruit that's slightly past its best, such as berries that are starting to soften and fruits. I agree with you. We don't want to throw things away. I'm all about no food waste. So I certainly want to use everything. What I do, oh, here it is. When I bring my fruit home from the market, I take it out of whatever container it was in and I pick through it. So if there is anything that is bruised and sometimes even when you're buying fresh fruit, you get a bruised one. What do they say? Like one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Well, it's the same thing with the berries. And then I don't usually wash them until I'm ready to use them. But over time, the fruit is going to get softer. Sometimes, Sometimes I, if I have more fruit than I can use, even if it is slightly past its prime, like your berries are starting to soften, you can freeze them and use them to make fruit desserts. You might have to cook your dessert a little bit longer because you're starting with frozen fruit. And, but if they're actually, if they're slightly softened, you wanna be very careful about it. So that's something that you can, do with that is freeze your fruit or use it to make the slump I was talking about, or this is a, I'm going to really dollop it up with a bunch of cream and things, but this is a blueberry blended gel. And those berries would be just perfect for this. It's really important when you're doing an agar based dessert to do a test. We test all of our frostings and fillings here as well. So I've got a lot of these little cups and I'm the only one at home. So I'm not gonna put my gloves on for this, but you can see that looks quite set. This one is less set. Now they might look the same, but how do I know that? I know that because I tasted them. You need to do some tasting and you're going to decide what you need for your own purposes after you do the gels. So I blended, I did just what was in the video. I did a test before I refrigerated the gel with the blueberries. And then I used a food processor and I didn't go super, super fine because I like pieces of blueberry in here. I, I did a quarter of a recipe. I made one cup 
because I'm lightening up and <laughs> I don't want to have a whole lot of dessert here. Usually my neighbors line up after a live event. They're like, what did you make? We want it. And this is people who are not vegan, but you can go further. You can add more fruit. You can add more liquid to make a sauce. So I would have a gel and a blueberry sauce as well, but I want fresh blueberries on here because it's kind of, it's just a great way to get fruit in your diet. And so they say people aren't eating enough fruit. This cream, this lovely cream is a softer version of the vanilla pastry cream that's in the course. That is just absolutely luscious. What I did was I added a little bit of powdered freeze-dried strawberry to the cream and I made this sauce to taste. This sauce is made with a base of cashews and some cane sugar. And it, depending on the proportions and the ingredients that you use or don't use, it can actually be a fruit filling. It freezes beautifully. When you make the thicker version of it, you can put it in the freezer and you've got a base for ice cream or a tart filling. So it's really wonderful. Now, Another dessert that I like a lot in the summertime is to make shortcakes. This is the very simple to make drop biscuit from essential vegan desserts. A typical drop biscuit is all purpose flour or cake flour and heavy cream and some chemical leavener baking powder, most likely. And what I did, well, I really like drop biscuits. Um, I wanted to make them vegan. So what I did was I added some almond flour, both for the nutrition and the flavor that you would get. And I used coconut milk in place of the heavy cream, but they don't taste at all of coconut milk, not at all. And some orange zest. So I'm going to simply build some shortcakes here. So what can I do? I can use some of the strawberry cream. I can use some of the vanilla cream. And I actually have some rhubarb puree. That would be a way to have um, a really nice strawberry and rhubarb dessert but with, <laughs> with in, a, in a slightly different way. Or just have this with some of your favorite jam. Always put some fruit on the plate if you can, because it's good for you. And what I did here was I have some cut up strawberries. When you macerate fruit, these strawberries were not especially sweet. These were not from my farmer's market, but they are organic. For me, you do the best you can do, and it's certainly a personal choice. 
but I did see that strawberries were number one on the environmental working group top 10. What did they call it? The, I don't remember. Somebody here is going to remember, but it's the clean 15, the dirty dozen and the clean 15. So when you macerate fruit, you put a little bit of sugar on the fruit and set it aside. And then the liquid, the juices come out. You have this lovely fruit with, with harder fruit or out of season fruit, you're not going to get it. I decided today to just use, this is like two teaspoons of maple syrup is all. And this will be the fruit for my strawberry shortcake, which I'll build right over here. And I apologize for not having, I don't have a beauty plate here because I've got all these gel things on it. But I, there, these bake very quickly from very few ingredients. And truth be told, these came right out of my freezer. I just warmed them up. And then I have these really yummy biscuit shortcakes that I can enjoy and serve and be very happy. This is a light dessert. It's not a big dessert, but it's super satisfying and it feels like dessert. So that's something that I wanted to show you. The agar gel that I blended, these are, ag this is agar that was set more firmly and I cut them into shapes and I would probably do something interesting with them. And I just had to show off. This is lemon thyme from my garden. So I'm super excited about that. I did want to show you the this gel dessert that I was showing you earlier came out of the freezer out of the refrigerator, not the freezer, about 10 minutes before this event started. So let's say 350. This has been out for hours. So agar gels stay set at room temperature. And since I'm talking about agar, I'm going to show you some. So this is agar powder, and this one says super agar. So you're probably going to be using less. And these are the flakes. Eden is a brand that has very strong agar flakes. We have a whole unit on agar in the course. And there is a difference between the flakes and the powder. You can't just make powder by powdering the flakes. The powder is three to five times as strong as the flakes. But agar is what I call a secret agent ingredient in vegan desserts because yes, you can use it to make a gel or a gelatin substitute. However, in combination with the starch, and I don't think that I told you that there was a starch slurry in here to make this taste creamier, it becomes a very important technique for replacing eggs and things like that. So I'm going to go back to the questions for a moment. Josette is asking, how difficult is it to convert traditional dessert recipes to plant-based or vegan? Well, Josette, it takes some doing, that's for sure. It isn't always a one-to-one -one swap because, for example, there are many different vegan butters now. I'm not talking about margarine. Margarine is a hydrogenated product 
product. That's all we had 25 years ago. It isn't healthy. It doesn't taste good. We have some good tasting, for example, vegan butters now, but they're different. I happen to like the taste of Miyoko's creamery butter. It's delicious. She's got the chunk and now an oat-based butter, but there's more water in her butter and she doesn't use any palm oil, which is a plus for many people. At room temperature, after a while, that butter is going to go back to its liquid state. We have butter now, vegan butter. One of them is made, is called Flora Butter, F-L-O-R-A, that does have palm oil, which for some people, as I said, is problematic. They have a sustainability statement. You have to make up your own mind, but that butter is very high fat. It's 81%, uh, I'm almost positive that it's 81% which is just about the 82% butter that you would use in Chef Jackie's French pastry course. And you can do the same things with that butter. You can do puff pastry, you can do anything that you would do with butter. So the real answer, you know, to bottom line your question here is you have to learn technique in the same way that you would in any pastry course. You have to learn about the different ingredients. Does oat milk work the same as soy milk, work the same as almond milk or rice milk and the different sweeteners, but it's definitely doable. That's for sure. I mean, I left the traditional world 25 years ago when none of these ingredients were available and was able to get some really delicious, not that's good for what it is, but really delicious vegan desserts for everyone that with that are reliable in terms of making them. Marina has an interesting question. What's the difference between creme anglaise and creme patisserie? So that's a really interesting question, Marina. I remember being in traditional pastry school and making creme anglaise, anglaise and standing over the pot and watching for a first wisp of smoke steam because it you they they're really they're both custard based sauces and you don't want the eggs to curdle at all so i call creme anglaise a more of a pouring cream and creme patisserie is the same basic ingredients it's sugar milk cream with the addition often of flour. And so creme patisserie is thicker. We have a vegan version in this course of vanilla pastry cream that can be adapted. So you can make it as a pouring cream, you can make it as a tart filling and that works. I hope that answered your question, Marina. Um, Hannah wants to know what's my current favorite fun or unique summer dessert? Well, I think my most unique one at the moment is this fruit salad I was talking about earlier with the addition of some super sweet cherry tomatoes and aquafaba meringue. I think that's a blast and everybody's really surprised. Also, I had a student take watermelon, a big watermelon cut in circles and make a tiered cake. I didn't think this was going to work, but you see, I learned from everyone. 
and she applied aquafaba meringue to this cake for her child's second birthday cake. So I think those are pretty cool. But if you add some interesting herbs and spices to your fruit mixtures, you're gonna have some really fun, a fun time. Janet wants to know, does this session include the option to eliminate processed sugar from desserts? We don't use any processed sugar in essential vegan desserts. We do use some cane sugar, but organic or vegan cane sugar, and they're usually one or the same, hasn't been filtered through bone char, hasn't been bleached. So it still retains some of the molasses that's inherent in the cane. And it is still, you know, it's still a sweetener. It's still a granulated sugar, but it takes more, it retains a bit of the minerals and the fiber. I'm never going to tell anybody, go ahead and, you know, you can eat a bowl of sugar because it's got minerals and fiber in it, no matter what the sweetener is. I don't, I believe that desserts are treat make something that's absolutely delicious that everybody will love, serve a smaller portion, make sure that it does taste delicious so that people aren't looking at your chocolate cake and thinking it tastes like brown bread, but make something delicious and fill out the plate with fruit and you're good to go. Um, Teresa wants to know what's the replacement for gelatin. Well, I showed you, it is called agar. Sometimes you see it as agar agar. It's a sea vegetable, the flakes and the powder. This is super agar and I have, this is just supermarket agar, which I use also the powder. The powder works really well when you're fixing things. Let's say you've made a gel. It isn't quite as set as you would like it to be. And you don't wanna take the time to get the gel back to room temperature, hydrate some more agar flakes. That's a really good place to use the powder. Or if you're starting with a very thick liquid like coconut milk or cashew cream, that's a good place for the powder. If when I'm doing a gel, like <laughs> here it is, like this, I think the flakes taste more neutral Supposedly, uh, I was taught that agar has no flavor. And when I was a pastry chef in New York's Angelica Kitchen, every single day on the menu, we had uh, what was called a canton, which is another name for an agar-based dessert. And we use the flakes. I think that they're better. So that's what I want to say. It's super easy. Actually, agar works just like gelatin. You still have to bloom it. That's why we hydrate it. I really push that in the course, but it's easier than bovine gelatin because you can remelt it and work with it that way. And it sets up at room temperature and it doesn't melt. So I'm a big fan of agar. Elaine wants to know what you can do with coconut cream. Well, there's lots of things you can do with coconut cream. I buy full fat coconut milk. I almost never buy excuse me, the cans that are called coconut cream. I think I need a sip of water, excuse me. And you can use it to replace heavy cream. You can whip it. If you're thinking about whipping it, you refrigerate 
your can of full fat coconut milk at least for 24 hours, maybe longer. I've got a couple of cans in my fridge at all times. There always is that errant can where the fat, the coconut cream doesn't rise to the top. Nobody knows why. So you keep a couple of cans and then you can whip it with a whisk attachment and a little bit of powdered sugar and make a coconut, like a coconut whipped cream. Uh, there is a recipe in essential vegan desserts where we use coconut milk, full fat, coconut cream with agar and a starch slurry, allow it to set and then whip it as a way to make a, another kind of a frosting. I mean, if we're talking about savory foods, coconut milk is great in all kinds of Indian based dessert, uh, desserts and savory food too. Regina wants to know, I've made some custards using arrowroot. Oh, this is a great question, thank you. And often I get a stringy, slimy result. So in my chocolate pudding recipe, I have a note. Do not use arrowroot, you're going to get a slimy, I probably use a more technical term, but that's what happens sometimes with arrowroot. So arrowroot and cornstarch, are thickeners. They thicken your mixtures and they actually work one to one, the same amount if you're subbing them. But arrowroot comes to boil, comes to thicken just before the boil or just at the boil. So if I'm doing something with arrowroot and I see those bubbles starting to happen, I lift that pot right off the heat. I don't want it to go further because it will thin out. With cornstarch, and I'm talking about you make a slurry with these ingredients, which means you get them dissolved in some cool liquid. Most of the time, chocolate pudding, the starch goes in with the sugar and the cocoa powder. For example, um, cornstarch has to be cooked longer. So I think for certain applications, it is definitely better to use cornstarch. I use uh, organic non-GMO cornstarch. They're available. So now Karen is saying I'd like to use agar in an acidic application, fresh lemon juice. She remembers reading about agar not behaving as expected. Well, in the course, we actually have the formula. Acids break down the gelling capacity of agar in the same way they do with gelatin. So you're going to probably use about 30% more, but you're going to need to do some testing, Karen. So that's your workaround. Try it. Try a half recipe, try a quarter recipe with a certain amount, take really good notes. And then if our mixture hasn't gelled as much as you'd like. You're going to need more agar. If it's gelled too much, you're going to need more liquid. Emma wants to know, what can I use beside cane or white sugar to make my aqua meringue fava white? Well, she says that she used coconut sugar and was pleased with the taste, but it was a duller brown cooker color. Well, coconut sugar, which is a nice sugar. It's a granulated sweetener. It's coarse. I like to grind mine first and keep it tightly closed in a jar. 
has a kind of a caramel or a very light molasses taste. I'm surprised in a way that you were able to do your aquafaba with coconut sugar because it doesn't always work. But of course, it's going to be a brown color. When we're getting to know these, all the different sweeteners that are available to us in the vegan pastry world, we have a whole side of dry granulated sweeteners. We have organic cane. We have whole cane, which is cane sugar with all of the molasses retained. So it's very dark in color and it tastes like molasses. We have coconut sugar, which tastes a little like a milder molasses. And on the liquid side, we have rice syrup and sorghum and maple syrup and molasses, and they're not necessarily interchangeable. So in order to get your meringue white, you're going to have to use organic cane sugar. There's just no work around there. One of the things to do is to taste your sweeteners and observe the colors. Um, Emma also wants to, has a question about organic egg replacer mix. She found Bob's Red Mill. It does work. I've used it. But quantities are not given. Um, Emma, on the package, it does say, as far as I know, I know I have some. I have several of the different commercially available egg replacers. It will say use this much to this much water to make one egg. And that's how you know how to use them. Um, when you look at the commercially available egg replacers, it's kind of interesting because you see what, what's in there. And there is, I've said this like a broken record. So if you've heard it, I'm sorry, you're gonna hear it again. There is no one size fits all for egg replacement. There just isn't. And it depends on what you're making and it depends on what you're using. So some people like flax, brown flax and water, for example. You want, you know, it works in muffins. You don't want to use too much or you get an off taste. Aquafaba can be used as an egg replacement. It depends. It just depends. But you think about what function of the egg you're replacing. The liquid part, easy. The binding part, that's easy too. The rising part, well, we can, we have other things that can create structure, you know, in terms of a cake. We use baking powder, baking soda, vinegar on a lot of cakes. And that's what people did during wartime when no eggs were available. So that's what you'll do, Emma, is look at, look at the package. Emma says that she just purchased my chocolate book. Thank you, Emma. And you got the Kindle version too. Wow, that's great. Uh, I mentioned ancho chili. So I'm a person that has a palate that does not go for <laughs> spicy food, spicy food at all. It's just something that I don't care for. And things that have a little bit of spice where people say that's not much, tastes really spicy to me. But I think ancho chili powder, which is kind of smoky, is so delicious. And I use it. It's not something you have to have, but I do a truffle with some. I infuse the plant milk with some ancho chili powder, and I love it. 
I actually used it in the batter for the chocolate cake to live for that I made as my birthday cake this week. And, and it was, I was cautious about it, but sometimes I've done it really spicy. So that's what you can use it for, you know, use it in some Mexican chocolate desserts. It really works really well. And wants to know, are these lightened up summer desserts completely plant-based? Every single thing that I do is completely plant-based. I have been doing vegan desserts for well over 25 years now when I left the traditional pastry kitchen. And for those of you who don't know or don't remember, it was because I was working as a pastry chef. I loved my work. I loved it. I had my dream job, but I wasn't feeling well. And I thought about the fact that my whole life I had kind of diet, I had stomach aches, that's what I had. And um, I had to stop working and I happened to pick up a book called Food and Healing. And I figured I was lactose intolerant, which I was, but I gave up all animal foods and that's what happened. So, oh, Masumi is here. Hi, chef. Um, he loves it, Claire's. Is it possible to make vegan pata shoe? Right now, Masumi, I haven't seen anybody perfect a patashu paste, but they've come really close and so, um, so have I. And again, this is because we are continuing to learn. We have better butters now, as I said earlier, and a variety of flowers. So for sure, it can be done. Um, Linda wants to know, is there a major difference in using bleach and unbleached flour in baking bread. I use unbleached flour in all of my desserts, but Linda, the best place to find that out is in the Ruby French Pastry School bread course and introduction to pastry arts. Uh, they do a deep dive into, well, there's a whole course on bread that's absolutely fabulous. And yesterday I listened to Chef Jackie and Scott's live event. It was really great. But I, yeah, I prefer to use unbleached flowers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Audie says fresh, oh, you have fresh figs. Aren't you lucky? She wants, Audie wants to know how to incorporate them into forks over knives, dinners and desserts. If I had fresh figs, they would probably ne never get to be desserts because I just eat them out of hand. But, you know, they're so luscious and I would drizzle some with a little bit of reduced balsamic vinegar. We roast fruits in this course with a reduced balsamic vinegar and put them on a plate with other fruits and maybe a couple of nuts and things and a little cookie and it would be heaven. Heaven, I'd like to come over and, and take some of your desserts. Rodney wants to know what model of compressor base. It isn't made anymore. Um, I looked it up recently and it isn't made anymore, Rodney, sadly. Mine, the bowl actually comes out. A lot of the compressor made machines, the bowl doesn't come out, which is a problem. Send an email to me at braniteruby.com and I'll tell you because I don't have it in my head right this minute what it is. I will tell you that it's heavy. Um, Catherine wants to know, do you make raw desserts? And what's my favorite one if I do? 
We make raw desserts in the course and I make some raw desserts personally. They are not always my favorite. We have some really delicious ones because I think oftentimes raw desserts are so heavily reliant on nuts and coconut and dates that they there's a sometimes to me they all taste the same and they're really heavy but we have a chocolate tort that's raw in this course that does use some chipotle chili powder actually in the crust that's absolutely delicious so recommendations for pre preparing them is one find a reliable recipe don't just go out there and do a search online and pick some random recipe you don't know who wrote it there are no you know there's no conversation about it but use my recommendations for doing raw desserts would be my recommendations for doing any dessert make sure the recipe is written by someone reliable make sure you read the recipe all the way through before you get started do a mise en place get everything prepped with raw desserts, you're going to probably need to soak some nuts, maybe soak some dates, chop things, and so on. A mise en place is going to change your life. We really stress that at Ruby, and it really does mean getting everything together and doing it. And then following the recipes really carefully. A lot of raw desserts have to go be frozen, stay frozen, so that's it. We have somebody here from Oslo. Sindre, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. What are ways I can treat cashews to get fuller flavor when soaked? Frying them before the soak? No. Um, well, you want to buy nice whole raw cashews, not cashew pieces. The whole cashews are going to have better flavor and Definitely don't soak them for 72 hours. That's going to um, that's going to take a lot of the flavor out of them. If what you want to do is make a fermented, like a fermented tasting cheesecake, and we do that, then you make the mixture and you leave it on your counter and it could ferment there. But I soak my cashews usually not more than 24 hours. And then if I'm not ready to use them, instead of keeping them in the water, I drain them very well. I put them into a container. I label the container that says soaked cashews, this many ounces, this many grams, and they go in the freezer and they're ready to use when I need them. Um, Terry Lynn, hi, Terry Lynn working on converting some recipes to be vegan and gluten-free are souffles and spoon bread impossible to convert. I don't want to say anything is impossible, but some, some things are more difficult. You know, if you have a cake, like an angel food cake that is completely reliant on egg whites, it's really hard to get a vegan version. And I have seen some vegan or what I call so-called vegan souffles, I think the answer is, and they look really good, but the answer is to combine egg replacements there. So, but you're adding vegan and gluten-free, which are two different, you know, you can have vegan desserts that happen to be gluten-free, but they're not necessarily gluten-free. 
and gluten-free desserts are not necessarily vegan. So keep that in mind. Hi, Linda. Linda tried a no-need crusty rolls recipe that she found on the internet. The dough was too sticky and hard to handle. Is it too much water? Well, Linda, I bet you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, you found the recipe on the internet? You know, who wrote it? <laughs> I can't I can't tell you if there was too much water. The no-need bread recipes I've seen are very slack, and I've made one that's very good. But again, I would caution you to find a recipe that is reliable, which means that it was developed by someone who knows what they're doing. And maybe you want to have a look at the breads course at Ruby. Sherry wants to know how long the class is going to be. Sherry, I don't know if you mean the live event, which actually is probably going to finish up in the next five or so minutes. The course is 90 days, essential vegan desserts. Desserts is 90 days. Some students finish it earlier and some students get an extension. So it's completely self-based. Um, Delma wants to know what's a good substitute for butter in a cake recipe. I'm able to sub banana and applesauce and cookies. Well, you can use vegan butter, of course, if you want to, but we have students here who are using fruit pastes to replace fat. Butter is fat. So whether it's butter or oil, it's fat to, re re to replace the butter in cake recipes. The best thing to do, it's really a must, is to make the recipe the way it's written first. And I'm talking about the vegan recipes here. So you have a baseline. If you don't want to make the whole thing, cut it in half. Do one layer or do a couple of cupcakes. You have a baseline. You know what the texture is supposed to be like, what the taste is supposed, what the flavor is supposed to be like, what the mouthfeel is, what the crumb looks like, and then see what you can do with applesauce. Banana is going to add a flavor. Patricia wants to know... What's the best sweetener for the best dessert outcome? That's a good question. There is no one best. <laughs> it depends. The closest to white sugar, which we don't use, is organic cane sugar, vegan cane sugar. It works one for one like white sugar. The crystal is larger. You need to rough it up a little bit, but that's it. It depends what you're going to do in terms of, you know, we have a crispy cookie, a twill in this course, for example, we use liquid sweeteners. We use rice syrup and maple syrup. Rice syrup makes cakes gummy, but it adds this nice crispness to cookies. So that's why we spend a whole unit, at least one on sweeteners in the course, Patricia. And then you need to taste them too. So Kate says, I just want to share that your course was so informative and covered an extensive array of desserts. I learned an incredible amount and encourage others to check it out. The techniques were presented well and the recipes were great. Thank you so much, Kate. That's so nice of you. I really appreciate it. And I loved working with you and you stay in the group. Sherry wants to know what was in the slurry I showed. That's fair. So... 
Do you mean the slurry? I don't know. <laughs> I made the gel, the gel, which is here. I made this gel by doing the agar recipe. And then I did a slurry, which just means dissolving a starch in liquid, in cool liquid. And when the I knew the gel had been tested correctly, I pulled it out of the fridge or I pulled it out of the fridge. And then while it was hot, I used arrowroot for this because as soon as it came, as soon as I saw some scalding, I took it off the heat and it worked really great. I do my starch slurries as part of my mise en place, but you always need to stir them up because the starch settles to the bottom. So it looks like we got through all of the questions. I want to thank you all for coming today. It was a pleasure. I hope I'll see some of you in July and enjoy the rest of your day or evening, depending where you are. If you're interested in essential vegan desserts, let me know or let Ruby know. And if you have any further questions, you can always reach me at fran at ruby.com. Thanks again for being here, everyone. Take care.